0: Adopt US Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You're bringing your daughter to her favorite pop stars concert. Do you A, wear earplugs? Isn't this fun, Dad? I have a soft pretzel. B, remember the moment with matching concert t shirts. That's going to be 180 bucks. Or, we can just take a photo. C. Show her how you used to do concerts. We're going crowd surfing! I can't! It's too heavy! Oh my God! Oh. Or D. Just roll with it. Woo! Justin! Look at us! we here! Justin! Justin! OMG! He just looked I love you, Justin! I love you! When it comes to parenting, there are no perfect answers. But that's okay, because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Teens in foster care
1: will love you just the same.
0: For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. to this week's CarolinaGridiron.com podcast. Coming to you with a regional recap this week. I'm your podcast host, Justin Jones, here talking about high school football here in the
1: state of North Carolina.
0: And joining us on this week's podcast is Brian Barnes. Brian, how you doing today?
1: Doing great, Justin. It's a great time for our high school football.
0: It is. Not a, I know probably not down where you're living, but up here around us, we got snow on the ground. And there's snow on the ground and there's football in the air. And it is state championship week. And we are bringing you this podcast here with a quick recap of last week's regionals. And we will come to you later this week with an extended podcast of previews of the 2018 high school football state championship. So like I said, this week we're just doing a quick recap of this past week's regionals. We're going to go 1A through 4A. Uh, We're going to start off in the 1A out east Brian, this Pamlico-Rosewood game seemed to be a real defensive struggle between these two teams.
1: Yes, it was a defensive struggle throughout. Um, Pamlico actually won the game on a defensive stop. It was a fourth down stand inside their own five as time expired to give Pamlico their first ever regional win.
0: Oh, wow, and then, you know, 13 wins being the most in their school history. Just being able to get that on a defensive stop inside the five, you know what a way for Pamlico County to uh, secure that berth for their first ever trip to the state title game. A little bit differently out west, uh, Murphy was able to uh, jump out to a pretty big lead there on Robbinsville, 28-0, and then they held them off 28-6. But the big story here is whether or not senior Slade McTaggart is going to be eligible uh, for this week's state championship game. Uh, he was disqualified for the matchup. I do know that uh, head coach David Gentry is trying to appeal. He's He's talking about on video, uh, you could see a, maybe a defensive player who is twisting uh, McTaggart's leg, and he says McTaggart just by a natural instinct was kicking his foot uh, towards this player, but that did get him disqualified. I haven't seen the video firsthand, so I can't comment on it directly. That was just uh, what we saw from head coach David Gentry. I mean, Murphy's defense did hold Robsville to their lowest scoring output of the year, and David Gentry with this win, that puts him up in the uh, over the four. He's got over 400 wins, right, Brian?
1: Yes, he's now up to 405 wins, which is second all-time behind Jack Hawley, who has 412.
0: Oh, wow. And I know out of those 405 wins, seven of them came uh, with some state title games. Uh, So with this 1A state championship game, coming from Duke's Wallace Wade Stadium, this Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m., you've got Pamlico and Murphy. This is Pamlico's first trip to this title game. Murphy has won eight state titles uh, throughout their history. Uh, One thing that we talked about, big controversy throughout the year is the use of max preps rankings for playoff seeding. And so as we talk about each of these matchups, uh, we'll give you the final regular season max preps rankings that the association used to seed these teams. Pamlico uh, was ranked as the number three team in 1A. Murphy was ranked as the number eight team in 1A. Uh, I think if you're able to get two of the top eight teams in the title game, this is going to make for a pretty good game. What do you think, Brian? Oh, yes, this is
1: going to be a fun game uh, at Duke-Wallace Wade Stadium.
0: Yeah, 3 p.m. this Saturday. It's going to be sandwiched in between a a 4AA game on Friday night and a 4A game on Saturday night. Um, We're going to have a a bigger preview for this later on this week. In the 1AA, you know, hey, got to tip those hats to Edinson Holmes. They had a great year, but they just ran into the juggernaut that is the Tarboro Vikings football team. Tarboro got out 48-0. Uh, it's rare to see a running clock uh, in the uh, regional championship game, but that's just the level of football that Tarboro plays. And that Tarboro defense, uh, they were able to uh, put on a pretty good performance. Don't you agree, Brian?
1: Oh, yes. They, they put on a performance every week. Tarboro's defense held the state's leading rusher to just 72 yards on nine carries and no touchdowns. That's basically how it went for Eden Holmes the entire game. Tarbo has just played
0: like this the entire year. It's rare for anyone to get that many points on him. Uh, I'm not shocked that they were able to find you know, the, you know, the state's leading rusher only getting 72 yards, like you said. Uh, that's just the kind of level of ball that they play at. This is,
1: I think, what, 19 straight wins here by the Vikings, Brian? Yes, they've won 19 straight wins, and you're talking about Tarbo's defense. They've won 19, or 13 out of those 19 games are for shutouts. And they haven't allowed more than fourteen points in over two years.
0: Yeah, I know Coach Craddock is probably he is proud of his bunch, and I can't wait to get a chance to chat with him later this week. This is like their eleventh straight season with ten or more wins. Uh, out west, uh, East Surrey was able to uh, top Star Mount forty-four to twenty-seven uh, for this game. You know, East Surrey got to twenty-six off the lead. Star Mount scores twenty-seven unanswered points to take the lead. and East Surrey scores the last seventeen points of the game. Both of the quarterbacks for this matchup, uh, East Surrey, Jefferson, Boaz, and the Star Mounts' uh, Trey Desern, they both had some pretty solid performances in this game, don't you think, Brian?
1: Oh, yes. Both of them threw for over 300 yards, and both of them had three touchdowns apiece.
0: I mean, that's seeing over 600 passing yards in this game and six touchdowns. Uh, I know East Surrey's uh, first-year head coach, Trent Loban is happy uh, about that performance he got out of his guy. He's got a you know big matchup ahead of him uh, this Saturday evening, 6 p.m., Carter-Finley Stadium at NC State University. You've got the Tarboro Vikings looking to finish off uh, a perfect season. Uh, they are undefeated. They're taking on East Surrey. Uh, Tarboro has a, a pretty rich championship history. They've won five state titles uh, throughout their history. Most recently, last year, over Mount Airy, they won that game 32-7. to uh, they appeared in four straight title games from 2009 to 2012, winning three of those, uh, three in a row from 2009 to 2011. Uh, for East Surrey, you know, they were in their heyday in the 1960s when the association didn't go all the way to a full state title game, and you just kind of had regents, and all you could do was just finish in a, you know, tops in a region. They did that back in 1963. Uh, Max Preps rankings... Any shocker about Tarborough being the number one team in 1A there, Brian?
1: No. <laughs> they are definitely the top team in 1A. Yeah. Yes, they are. And they're taking on the
0: what Max Reps rated as the 16th top team uh, in 1A, uh, the East uh, Surrey football team. So those are both of the 1As. Let's move on to the 2As, uh, where out east, I know, we had a big back-and-forth game between Northeastern and, and Southwest Onslow. Uh, Brian, I know you uh, you have some love for
1: football out in the eastern part of the state. Uh, what were your thoughts on this game? Yes, these two teams, they battled it out. Northeastern won 47-36 to 36 over Southwest Onslow. It was a back-and-forth game, but Northeastern was just a little too much for Southwest Onslow. Yeah,
0: and, and Northeastern still has one of my favorite name players in the state, Travion Freshwater. How
1: did he do this past Friday? Oh, yes, the senior running back. He had 14 carries for 117 yards and two touchdowns.
0: But uh, Aaron Harris had a pretty good night as well.
1: Yes, he he was almost perfect on the night up there. He went 11 for 12 for his passes for 144 yards and one touchdown. But not only that, he also rushed 17 times for 115 yards and two touchdowns. And he caught a 50-yard pass on a trick play for a touchdown.
0: Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, Northeastern. I mean, when you're playing a tough team like Southwest Onsville, you got to pull out all the stops, and it appeared that they did, and they've won that game 47-36. Out West, in a game that was a lot closer than many people thought it was going to be, Reedsville took down Brevard 24-21. to Brevard actually held a 21-10 to uh, lead late in the third quarter, and then Reedsville came back and scored the, the final 14 points of the game. Uh, Reedsville had forced a late turnover. They were able to strip the ball down inside the Brevard 20. Uh, Four plays later, uh, Kwame Davis scored from three yards out for the winning score. It's about two minutes or so remaining. One thing we can't say is those 21 points are the most points that Reedsville has allowed all season. This Reedsville defense, Brian, we've talked about it a couple of times. I don't even know how to put it into words.
1: This Reedsville defense uh, personifies that old saying that defenses win championships. And they, they're now leading Reidsville to their third straight title game.
0: Yeah, and over those three seasons, they've been 46-1. and one. Their only loss was to Wallace Rose Hill in last year's title game. But speaking of this year's title game, uh, it's the only battle of undefeated teams between Northeastern and Reidsville. Both of them are undefeated. This is going to be at Carter-Finley Stadium at NC State this Saturday, 11 a.m., the only matchup out of the eight matchups where you've got two undefeated teams. Uh, and I'll tell you, Brian, I am looking forward to being at Carter-Finley Stadium at 11 a.m. for this matchup right here. Max Preps rated Northeastern as the second-ranked team in the state. Reidsville as the ninth-rated team in the state. I'm sure part of that has to do with schedule strength. Reidsville doesn't play exactly in the strongest conference uh, I can't even remember the, uh, how many points, Reed, I think like 10 points, Reedsville's given up in conference play over the last three seasons. Uh, Brian, do you
1: remember the last time that Coach Teague lost a conference game? Coach Teague, he lost the conference in that last one. I think it's back in 2004, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, and so sometimes that, that strength of schedule hurts them a little bit when you're looking at some of these, these ratings and rankings. But that doesn't stop anything about Reedsville being title town. They have 16 state championship games. Uh, They're trying to go for number 17, Northeastern. They lost uh, in the 2010 title game, uh, and so they're looking for their first state title. Uh, But there's a pretty interesting nugget about this particular matchup right here and how we might be able to have, like we were calling, two-for-one championships, Brian. Uh, What do you think about this two-for-one idea uh, that we've been bouncing around?
1: Yes, back in uh, 1960, down in the 3A. Of course, back then, the state, they stopped at regional play. If you want a regional, that's as far as they went. They didn't really have a true state championship game. Well, in 1969, the 3A, Northeastern won the East Regional, and Reesville won the West Regional. So I'm saying whoever wins this one, we can finally settle the 1969 argument.
0: Uh, the 2AA uh, out east at the game, I actually had a chance to uh, cover this past Friday. Uh, North Davidson took down Ledford 24-7. to And we talked about this being a defensive struggle uh, between these two teams. Remember, earlier in the season, uh, Ledford won a 9-7 to to win that Central Carolina 2A Conference Championship and getting a chance to match up with the county rival here in the regional final. Uh, This game did live up to the billing somewhat. Not as low scoring as I was expecting. 24 points was a lot of points for North Davidson. to score against the Ledford defense that had eight shutouts during the, the season, but A good chunk of those 24 points that North Davidson scored were off of turnovers. And they forced five, six turnovers during this game. A couple of forced fumbles, a couple of INTs. North Davidson was able to shut Ledford down. Uh, They only got like 103 total yards in this game, probably their lowest output of the season. Uh, And so this one was a packed house, standing room only. Uh, I know when I got there, it was still a decent bit before kickoff. Uh, walking in behind the stands. There was four and five deep behind the stands, four and five deep around the end zone, around the fence there. Uh, Davidson County knows how to put on a good football game, and North Davidson lived up to it. Uh, Out west, what ended up being maybe the best game of the entire regional weekend, uh, Shelby took down High Brighton 28-21. I got to ask you, Brian, not many people gave Shelby a chance in this game. Are you shocked that Shelby's in a title game?
1: Yes, I am. I was one of those people who thought that high Brighton was going to be a little too much for Shelby. But a classic Golden Line football, they rose to the occasion, and here they are. They're going to their uh, their fifth title game in six years.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you, since Lance Ware has taken over as coach, it's almost like Shelby is just making permanent residence here uh, in a state championship game. Uh, I know Isaiah Best went off pretty well the other night. Do you have any details on some of his stats?
1: Yeah, the Shelby QB has been going off all year, but especially this high Brighton game. He uh, he went 25 for a 42 uh, passing for 354 yards and three touchdowns.
0: And just thinking about is he going to be able to repeat that kind of performance next Saturday it just makes me think about this. 2 A State Championship game, Saturday, Carter-Finley Stadium at North Carolina State, 2.30 p.m. We've got North Davidson versus Shelby. Uh, A game where you've got high-powered offense in Shelby and a solid defense in North Davidson. This is another game I am really looking forward to going to. Uh, Max Preps uh, picked Shelby at 14. They had North Davidson at 23. So I don't think many people were expecting to have this as a matchup. But I'll tell you, as an offensive coordinator... For Shelby, I wouldn't want to go up against that North Davidson defense. And as a North Davidson defensive coordinator, I'd be staying up night worrying about that Shelby offense. Now, we talked about with the 2A game about how some interesting quirks here. Do you think we could do another two-for-one with this
1: Shelby versus North Davidson game, Brian? Yeah, I think we can. Um, both these teams were members of the Western North Carolina Athletic Association. And in 1975, they played each other to a tie in what would could be considered the, North, the the Western North Carolina Athletic Association Championship game. They both ended at a tie of 21. So, yeah, I think this could be a two-for-one or also. Yeah, I, look,
0: I like finding these little wrinkles in the game. That 1975, hey, if you're listening to this podcast or, and and you played on that 1975 team, or if you have a friend or family member that you know played on that 1975 team, you let them know to, to, to get that jersey ready, to get that, that helmet with one or two bars on the face mask ready. And, and maybe they can, uh, you know, the 2018 team can't settle it. Let's get those 1975 guys out there to see if they might be able to do something. All right, into 3A, uh, and what ended up being just an outstanding high-scoring game. Out east, Jacksonville defeated Havelock 41-34. to This was a rematch of that Coastal 3A Conference Championship game. Havelock had won that game 45-28. I remember you saying on the podcast last week, Brian, that you were a little worried about Havelock in this game because of the way Jacksonville's offense has been scoring and Havelock's defense has given up more than they are used to. It seemed like Havelock had this game in the bag.
1: Havelock had it pretty much in the bag. They were up 28-7 at the half, but Jacksonville... Took over in the second half. They outscored Havelock 34 to six, and you know the Jacksonville's uh, offense was led by their ground attack, Um, and Graham Binker rushed for 181 yards and two touchdowns, and then Justin Benton. I like his name already. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, gotcha. yeah, he rushed 21 times for 108 yards and three touchdowns. I don't remember the last time that I, I've seen a Havelock team give up over 300 yards rushing. Um, so, yeah, that their defense was showing some cracks, and it looks like Jacksonville just exploited them.
0: Yeah, and the fact that, you know, Havelock was up there in the third quarter and even into the fourth quarter, and getting a chance to read the details of the game, Havelock with two fumbles, two lost fumbles in the fourth quarter that led to that Jackson was able to turn both of those into touchdowns. And, you know, that's the difference in the game right there. That just goes to show you how important ball control is throughout the entire game, especially when you get to that fourth quarter. Out west, uh, Charlotte Catholic didn't really have an issue uh, taking down Kings Mountain. It's another trip. Uh, To the title game for Catholic, their fourth trip in five seasons. Catholic led from the start on this game. You know, Chris Walton and Michael Neal, they connected for two touchdowns, uh, 155 yards, 143 yards. Uh, Neal finished five catches for 150 yards. Anytime you can get five catches in a game and have an average uh, receiving yardage of 30 yards per catch, uh, that's a good night right there. So hats off to you, Michael Neal we look at winning tradition, though. Charlotte Catholic, 15 out of the last 16 seasons, they have had double-digit wins, including nine straight. This really is just a legacy of excellence right here. And this legacy of excellence is going to be on display at Keenan Stadium this Saturday, December 15th, 11 a.m. We've got Charlotte Catholic representing the West, and we've got Jacksonville, Uh, representing the East. Catholic came in as number 4, Max Preps. Jacksonville came in as number 10. Uh, Catholic's looking for their sixth title. Jacksonville is looking for their second title. But the first time uh, that they have made it to a title game, and since they lost in 1994 against Crest in the 4A uh, title game, all of Jacksonville's title appearances were in the 1980s and 90s at the 4A ranks. Charlotte Catholic, uh, they competed 2A, Back in the 1970s, 2AA in the 2000s, and 3AA, they went up to 4A for a while, then they came back, and they're playing in the 3A matchup. Uh, This is going to be a good game right here. Uh, Keenan Stadium, Saturday, December 15th, 11 a.m. That Jacksonville offense, you know, how many points are they going to be able to score on that rough, tough Charlotte Catholic defense who has just held uh, plenty of teams scoreless this year, including some other a state uh, finalist. Speaking of which, let's head to the three double-A. Out east, Southeast Guilford uh, defeated Cleveland 37 to 33. Uh, I know
1: Southeast Guilford was down in this game, Brian. How was Cleveland not able to hold on to this lead? They made some great adjustments. They came out and had a huge third quarter, 16 points, for, and took uh, took a 30 to 26 lead. But Cleveland was able to retake the lead towards the end of the game. Um, I think with the less than two minutes to go, they took a 33-29 uh, point lead. But Southeast Guilford was able to rally back. Ryan Douglas found the wide-open Tyler Hoff for a 71-yard game winner, um, sending North- Southeast Guilford into the uh, championship game.
0: 71 yards. That uh, I, I wonder if that was some type of trick play or whatever. I haven't had a chance to see the film on that one. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Out West, Weddington jumped all over Mount Tabor. They they jumped out to a 35-0 lead. Ended up winning 45-12, and and Weddington uh, they were really able to move, kind of just ride on the back of senior running back Wayne Dixie. He was able to move the chains uh, for most of the night. I can't even remember how many yards he had, but. He was a consistent force in that backfield. Uh, you know, A lot of folks will focus on the Shipley brothers and try to neutralize them. Uh, Wayne Dixie, I've had a chance to watch him a few times this year. He is one of the hardest running running backs I have seen uh, in person uh, in North Carolina this season. Uh, and so he was able to help them just push their way past Mount Tabor. Mount Tabor had a pretty good run um, in this uh, playoff Bracket, but Weddington was just too much for them on this night, which is setting up our three double A championship game this Friday night. UNC's Keenan Stadium, 7 30 p.m. We've got Southeast Guilford and Weddington. Both teams are 14 and 1. Both of them, uh, these are the most wins they've had in school history. One team's going to get its 15th win, and that 15th win is going to be Forest State Championship. Uh, This is Southeast Guilford's first title game appearance, they've never made it before. For Weddington, uh, this is their third uh, title game appearance in the last few seasons. They lost to Northern Guilford back in 2014. They beat Eastern Guilford 2016. Three title game appearances. All three have been against Guilford County Schools. Just an interesting quirk uh, right there, which goes to show you the strength of Guilford County football. In the foray, in a matchup, uh, or at least matchup, you know, it is what it is. But the result was something I could not see happening uh, based off of everything on paper. And that was Scotland not just defeating 71st, but shutting them out 28 to nothing. Brian, how did this even happen?
1: Yes, this is one of the biggest shockers of the week. And Scotland has been good at that. Seems like every week in the playoffs, they're pulling off a shocking win that no one saw coming. This is a rematch of a game that happened in October for the conference, the Sandhills Athletic Conference. Uh, 71st won that game, 21-6. And Scotland won without their starting running back, Shaheem McQueen, um, who missed the game because of an injury. But Joseph McCoy, who was basically the next man up, he ran for 140 yards on 18 carries and two touchdowns. So... Just a that's how deep Scotland is. Once you think that they're out of it, here they come roaring back.
0: Yeah, I, I know Scotland was intercepted on their first drive, and then they scored on the next four drives of the half. Had to go up twenty-eight, nothing. The second half was scoreless. Uh, you know, seventy-first came into the game averaging over three hundred seventy yards a game on offense, but Scotland found a way to hold them to only sixty-seven yards uh, on, on Friday night. Um, you know, this is like seven straight double-digit win seasons for Scotland. I want to say it's like six by current head coach uh, Richard Bailey. But I know Bailey, and we'll talk about this later on this week, uh, he's looking for that that first title game win. He, he's uh, he, he's This will be a sixth appearance as a head coach. Three didn't work out for him with Jack Britt. He's had two previously at Scotland, so he's going to try to be able to maybe pull his first state title uh, win for himself. Out West, uh, East Forsyth took down Porter Ridge thirty-two to fourteen. This was a slow game to begin with. East Forsyth gets a, a safety right here. Uh, Khalid Martin's able to, uh, to tackle a fella in the end zone, and that that two nothing lead was a lead that never gave up. Uh, this was a game where special teams really made the difference for East Forsyth. They ran a fake punt. Um, a 73-yard fake punt, which means they ran the fake punt from deep in their own territory. Uh, Khalid Martin, the same guy who had the safety, he's able to run 73 yards down uh, in the first quarter on a fake punt. And then Mizell Hall had a 97-yard kickoff return in the fourth quarter, just when Porteridge thought they were getting back into it. A 97-yard kickoff return right there just kind of dashed uh, the Pirates' hopes. Pushes East Forsyth into the title game. This is the winningness class in their school history. They've won 49 games um, so far. They're looking for number 50. Uh, the 14 wins almost is close to a record. They did have a, a team that went 15-0 and 0 back in 1992. But this 4A championship game, it's going to be East Forsyth and it's going to be Scotland uh, from Duke's Wallace Wade Stadium. This is Saturday night, 7 p.m., Uh, East Forsyth uh, came in as the number six team in the max preps ranking. Scotland came in as number 33. Both teams are actually looking for their second title. East Forsyth won back in 92 against Northern Durham. Scotland won back in 2011, ironically, against Port Ridge, the team that East Forsyth just defeated, uh, and they came up short in 2013 and 2017. One of these teams is going to get a chance to celebrate. uh, One of these coaches is going to get a chance to celebrate something that they've never done before, and so uh, I'm looking forward to being in Wallace Wade Stadium this Saturday night, 7 p.m., to see East Forsyth versus Scotland. 4AA out east, Wake Forest just kind of ran. They were, able, I mean, this is Wake Forest. This is what they do. They had a scoreless first quarter, and then they exploded for three scores. In the second quarter, they opened up the lead that never disappeared. Mateo Sidipo threw and ran for a score. Uh, Demarcus Jones. Uh, Mikael Haywood each rushed for two touchdowns. Uh, they got Wake Forest back to the top of the game for the third straight year and the sixth time in nine years. This Wake Forest team has won 44 straight games. The senior class, 56-1. and one, all right, Their lone loss was to, to Page um, in the like second round of like the 2015 playoffs. They've gone 71-2 over the past five seasons. Uh, they've won like 31 straight conference games. Uh, it's going to be tough for whoever's coming out of that, that Western bracket, which is Vance. Uh, Vance was able to defeat Myers Park 21-13. to uh, I know Myers Park jumped out to an early lead, but w- what happened in this game, Brian?
1: Yes, Myers Park did jump out to an early 13-0 nothing second quarter lead, but the Vance defense was able to contain them for the rest of the game. Andre White Jr., Scored twice for the Cougars to give Vance the lead at the half, but Vance shut out the Mustangs for the rest of the game, and Stefan Thompson's pass breakup sealed the deal for Vance, who won their first regional championship after coming up short in 2014, 16, and 17. This marks the most wins in Vance's school history The previous at 14. The previous record was 13 back in 2016. But, you know, the school hasn't been open too long. It opened in 1997, so they're they're setting the bar. And this is setting up the battle of the Cougars in the 4AA championship game. We've got Wake
0: Forest. Uh, They're coming in looking to finish off an undefeated season and a third straight title. We've got Vance, um, like you were saying, Brian, who's finally able to get over the hump here and make it to the title game. This is at Duke's Wallace Wade Stadium this Friday night, 7.30 p.m. If there was any game throughout all of the brackets where Max Preps uh, would pick the best possible matchup they could for a title game, it's this one right here. Wake Forest was the number one team in the final Max Preps rankings. Vance was the number four team here in the final Max Preps rankings. Uh, this has all the makings for a good game. You know, Will uh, Vance be able to defend the honor of Charlotte uh, and, and get back to a title game? Uh, You know, Butler and Mallard Creek uh, have been running, uh, winning titles uh, for a while. Independence before that. Wake Forest was getting Wake County back on the map here at those last two wins over Page and Mallard Creek in 16 and 17. Uh, This has, once again, all the makings for a good game. Friday night, 7.30 p.m. at Duke's Wallace Wade Stadium, Wake Forest and Vance, the Battle of the Cougars. I'll tell you, Brian... This is a great slate of games to look at. Uh, I can't wait till we, a little bit later this week, come back on the detailed breakdown for all of the title games. And that's it for our Regional Recap Podcast. Remember, we'll come to you later this week with a full detailed breakdown of this year's title games. Brian, as always, it was a pleasure doing this
1: week's podcast with you. Yes, sir. It's always a good time to talk about high school football.
0: It is. And high school football here in North Carolina is the best kind of football. And you can find both of us on Twitter. You can find me at NC Gridiron. You can find Brian at NC Gridiron News. Check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Carolina Gridiron. As always, check out CarolinaGridiron.com, Championship Central, where you can see scoreboards. You can see information about all of this week's state title games. You can see the full breakdown at Championship Central at CarolinaGridiron.com. We enjoyed having you this week here on the podcast, and we'll see you somewhere out on the Gridiron. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council.